saving God, source of our calling. Your word is full of power and glory. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so that we may receive your grace and live as your beloved children. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The reading from the Hebrew Scriptures for this morning is taken from the story of Jonah. We read Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, and then verse 10. Listen for God's word to his people. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah set out and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city. See three days walk across. And Jonah began to go into the city. Going a day's walk, he cried out, Forty days more and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed in God. They proclaimed a fast, and everyone great and small put on sackcloth. When God saw what the people of Nineveh did, how they had turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Amen. This morning's responsive reading is taken from Psalm 62. We read verses 5 to 12 of Psalm 62. For God alone, my soul waits in silence, for my hope is from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my deliverance and my honor. My mighty rock, my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of low estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances they go up. They are together lighter than a breath. Put no confidence in extortion and set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, do not set your heart on them. Once God has spoken... Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God. And steadfast love belongs to you, O Lord, for you repay to all according to their word. Praise, Praise the Lord. Lord. And we turn now to the New Testament. First to the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 29 to 31. Once more, let us listen for God's word. Paul writes, now I mean, brothers and sisters, the appointed time has grown short. From now on, let even those who have wives be as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no possessions, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. 
and our gospel lesson taken from the gospel according to Mark. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time has been fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you, fish, make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat, mending the nets. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God for his word to us. Friends in Christ, what I say to you this morning is proclaimed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If your social media feed is like mine, by lunchtime this past Wednesday, it had been completely consumed by a poem. In the 10 or 12 years that I have been on Facebook and had a Facebook page, this is perhaps one of only a handful of times that every single post from all of my friends was singularly focused on one thing. I am, of course, speaking about Amanda Gorman's poem, The Hill We Climb which he performed at the inauguration ceremony for the new President of the United States. It wasn't until 10 o'clock in the evening that I finally was able to sit down and listen to the poem. The amazing thing about poetry is that they draw the reader into the storytelling process. And from time to time, there is the opportunity for the reader to meditate on the words and to add their own layer of interpretation to the story. The meaning of the story can be what they give it. And I was struck by this reality as Miss Gorman recited the first stanza of her poem. When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, the sea we must wade, we've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace and the norms and notions of what just is isn't always justice. My first reaction as I listened to the poem for the first time was a little gasp at the political nature of the poem. Was she reflecting upon the last four years when she, when she spoke about never-ending shade? Was the loss that we carry, the gloom and the disorientation of a year lived with COVID-19? Was the belly of the beast a reference to the acidic reality of the past administration that had eaten away at the fibers of a society? 
But as I heard those words, we've braved the belly of the beast, my mind also went immediately to the book of Jonah and the Jonah story that we hear today. Our text from the Hebrew scriptures that I had been reading for several days previously. We all know the story of Jonah, don't we? God sends Jonah to proclaim, the, the, to call to repentance the city of, of Nineveh. And Jonah is reluctant to go because Jonah knows that God will forgive the people if they repent. And Jonah wants nothing to do with their repentance. So Jonah refuses to go. Jonah boards a ship to go in the opposite direction to where God is calling him. And Jonah is swallowed by a great fish. Jonah is vomited up on the shore. And for Jonah, we know, braving the belly of the beast was not punishment, although it may have seemed that way. Braving the belly of the beast is the means by which God's plan was brought about. Our readings for this morning are held together by this one common element. Both the Old and the New Testaments are fish stories. In the gospel, Jesus calls men who catch fish. In the Hebrew scriptures, God calls Jonah, who is caught by the fish. Perhaps it is appropriate that we would encounter then this poem this week, because I have been thinking a lot about the interpretation of the call story from Mark's gospel over the past couple of weeks. Pardon me. There have been those things that I have encountered that have been nudging me a little bit, nudging me in a different direction than we might think about the text. The German 20th century theologian Karl Barth famously said uh, about a preacher that one should take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from the Bible. Barth reminds us as preachers, as listeners of preaching, that we are constantly reading Scripture and rereading Scripture for our own time. As I turned to the call of Jesus' disciples for this morning, I was struck by the vocational specificity which Mark includes in the story. Mark goes out of his way to tell us that Simon and Andrew and James and John were fishermen. This little detail about their common background really has no bearing on what they are being called to do by Jesus. Jesus calls Simon and Andrew and James and John to be disciples, to be followers, to be many theologians, if you will. He calls them to learn about the wonder of the love of God and of God's plan for creation. So what does being a fisherman have to do with that? And yet it seems clear that maybe it does have something to do with that calling. Because after Jesus calls these two sets of brothers, he says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This morning, there will be countless sermons preached on how disciples how the disciples left everything to follow Jesus. And certainly there is an interpretation of of the text 
in the interpretation of the text that is borne out. Indeed, I'm sure that I have preached sermons just like that several times over the three decades of ministry. And yet, this time, as I've come to this text, this time as I've come to this text reflecting on the story of the calling of the first disciples, it seems to me that if we read the scriptures carefully, we discover that these four disciples never strayed too far from their fishing roots. There are stories of Jesus and his disciples going along the shoreline, teaching people, gathering in crowds, healing, and even feeding the people. The Gospels recount Jesus and the disciples often getting into boats along the sea to get them from point A to point B. And in those days, following the death of Jesus upon the cross, at least one of the Gospels records for us that the disciples went back home and returned to their nets and their boats and went fishing. So perhaps it is no accident that Jesus calls Simon and Andrew James and John, the fishermen. Perhaps that was an important part of who they were and why they were called. Indeed, many of Jesus' disciples are introduced to us by both name and occupation. The reality is for all of us that Jesus calls people to follow him, people who are just like us. Disciples, the disciples who we meet this morning, and others too, were busy about their tasks of everyday life when Jesus comes up to them, light in this never-ending shade, and invites them to come. Like many of us, these disciples were just getting on with business. They were about all of those tasks that had to be done each and every day, they were, if you were, braving the belly of the beast, right? That, that ongoing activity that is just seems to be part of our everyday life. When Jesus comes along, he invites them to follow. I can use you, he says, fisherman, tax collector, teacher, administrator, Technician, I can use you to show others the good news about the kingdom of God. Jesus can use you. Each of you has been given a gift. A gift to use in the kingdom of God. Gifts that you use each day, perhaps, in the pursuit of your own vocation. Gifts that you use during in your off hours as you pursue a past a pastime those things that we do to keep our hands busy when we are not working think for a minute of those people who you looked up to in your youth those people who you considered champions of the faith they were no doubt just regular people 
doctors or teachers, farmers, technicians. But they were also choir members and Sunday school teachers. They were those people who just seemed to always be around the church, active and engaged and involved, volunteering their time to ensure that things happened here. Through the lives of all of these people, they were embodying the kingdom of God. We all have those people. That great cloud of witnesses that we remember from our youth who in one way or another inspired us in our faith walk. We all have fishers for people. People just like us. Too often in my years of ministry, I have had people respond to an invitation to service in the church and say, well, I can't preach and I I don't like standing up in front of people. And therefore, they think they have nothing to give to the church. But the calling of the first disciples reminds us that God calls us not to become someone that we are not, but to use the gifts that God has given us Because God has called us to be fishers, to be teachers, to be lovers and sharers. As I reflected about this time when we we are all apart from one another because of stay-at-home orders, this time when activity has waned in many of our churches, I started to come to the conclusion that this time is a time of great blessing for the church. It is a time of blessing because it is a moment of Sabbath. It has provided us with a break from the routine, just as the one day of the week when, when God stopped his work provided for him a moment of rest and recuperation, a time to be and not to do. Sometimes we find that what we have to do can get in the way of, of what we should be doing, too. This time apart from each other is an opportunity for us to evaluate how we are using our lives, the gifts that have been given to us, the time that we have in the service of the kingdom of God. Maybe what we have always done no longer meets the needs that it once did. Perhaps there is something that you've always longed to do, or perhaps there's something that you just identified as a need in our church, in our community, or in our life, but you didn't feel you had the opportunity and the time to add one more thing to the list. Perhaps this time apart, one from another, has been a time when we can reorder the list, dropping off those things that perhaps don't meet the needs of the day and adding those that do. Now is the time to dream new dreams, to imagine a new future, to look to see where God is calling us to be the church today and in this place. For God still gifts us and God still calls people to come and to follow. Where is, the, is God leading you is the question for this day.
Thanks be to God for his love to us and for the gifts that he gives us to pursue ministry in his name.